WLRN edition 85 broadcasting in three, two, one. I was born woman off my knees. I will stand for my liberation. Sisters rise again. I was born woman off my knees. I will stand for my liberation. Rise and rise again. Greetings and welcome to the 85th edition podcast of Women's Liberation Radio News for this Thursday, May 4th, 2023. It was seven years ago this week that Thistle founded WLRN back in 2016, before most were willing to talk about the impact gender ideology is having on the sex-based rights of girls and women. Today, we celebrate seven years in your ears as the WLRN Collective. And it is my pleasure to be joining the crew. This is Mary O'Neill, newest member of the WLRN Collective. I recently joined this wonderful group of women and look forward to using my voice alongside theirs in the fight for women's liberation. Check out WLRN's website for my article entitled, Cast Aside, Why Elder Rights Are Women's Rights. This month's edition focuses on the Let Women Speak movement and particularly the roles mothers have been playing to lift it up and keep it going. The WLRN Collective wishes all of our listeners a very happy Mother's Day this year as we continue to unite as women to fight for our rights. We'll hear excerpts of a live roundtable discussion Thistle had with Jennifer Thomas and Katie Jean. Both women in the U.S. have been instrumental in the movement. We'll also hear a special guest commentary from Katie Jean on the roles mothers play in the movement and the lives of their children, and another guest commentary from Alexandra Rene, also known as Pinwheel Art. The team at WLRN produces a monthly radio broadcast to break the sound barrier women are blocked by under the status quo rule of men. This blocking of women's discourse we see in all sectors of society, be they conservative, liberal, mainstream, progressive, or radical. The thread that runs through all of American politics, except for separatist feminism, is male dominance and entitlement in all spheres. To start off today's edition, here's yours truly with women's news from around the globe for this Thursday, May 4th, 2023. On March 30th, pornographer Paul Little, better known as Max Hardcore, died at the age of 66 from pneumonia and organ failure. He'd been undergoing treatment for thyroid cancer at the time of his death. Called a gonzo and fetish porn pioneer by sex industry news magazine Xbiz, Little made a nearly three-decade-long lucrative career out of documenting the sadistic torture of women for men's sexual amusement. The Women's Bill of Rights passed the Kansas Senate on April 4th after receiving bipartisan support in the Kansas House of Representatives in late March. Based on model legislation created by the Women's Liberation Front in collaboration with independent women's voices, the bill defines sex and state law on the basis of biological reality rather than gender identity, asserts the relevance of sex in the interpretation of sex discrimination laws, and protects accurate sex-based data collection. On April 20th, Kansas Governor Laura Kelly vetoed the bill. In Argentina, a gay man charged with femicide for murdering a woman he hired to have his child has informed the court that he now identifies as a woman, and what critics say is a cynical grab at a shorter jail sentence. Fernando Alves Ferreira admitted to shooting and killing Eduardo Santos, 27, in February 2022. Santos had given birth to twins for Ferreira and his partner in 2020, followed by a third child a month prior to her death. 
A forensic examination also revealed that Santos had injuries consistent with beating prior to death. She was living with Ferreira at the time of her murder. Chief Prosecutor Martin Lasada said she lived in the defendant's house, lacked her own resources, and was at the mercy of the owner of the house. It was a situation of remarkable asymmetry. Her family is fighting for custody of the children, but Ferreira has refused to let them leave Argentina for Brazil, where the family reside. This month, Ferreira's lawyers moved to have the femicide charge withdrawn on the basis that since their client no longer identifies as a man, he cannot be guilty of femicide. In Argentina, femicide is defined as a violent crime against a woman perpetrated by a man. Ferreira's lawyers state that his name is now Amanda, that he's undergone plastic surgery to appear more womanly, and that he's taken the necessary legal action to have his new gender recognized. By evading the femicide charge, Ferreira stands to turn a potential life sentence into as little as 10 years in prison. In the United Kingdom, an inquest began involving a 2022 incident in which an 89-year-old woman died after a fellow patient, a man with a history of violence against staff and other patients, attacked her in a hospital bathroom. Carly McLaren was a patient at Ipswich Hospital after being admitted for shortness of breath. She was cleared to leave the hospital on January 5, 2022, but later that day, the male patient, who has advanced dementia, forced his way into the toilet cubicle McLaren was occupying and knocked her to the floor, breaking her rib, hip, and wrist. The inquest has been adjourned until June. 24% of partnered women and girls worldwide are unable to say no to sex, a new study from the United Nations Population Fund reports. The State of World Population Report 2023 included women from 68 countries around the world. In addition to being unable to refuse sex, 25% of women say they're unable to make decisions about their health care, and 11% cannot make decisions specifically about contraception. The report recommends policies to increase gender equality and ensure reproductive rights for all people as remedies to these alarming statistics. Toppling global patriarchy is not mentioned as a possible solution. A young woman injured when struck by a volleyball spiked by a trans-identified male player on the opposing girls' volleyball team has spoken out against biological males competing in female sports. At a hearing on fairness in sports, Peyton McNabb told North Carolina lawmakers that she suffered a concussion and neck injury as a consequence of her encounter with a male player, the long-term repercussions of which include partial paralysis and impaired vision. Standing along McNabb was Riley Gaines, a female University of Kentucky swimmer who competed against Leah Thomas at the 2022 NCAA Women's Swimming Championship and has since been outspoken about the injustice of males' invasion of female athletics. The following day, the North Carolina House passed the Fairness in Women's Sports Act, barring males from participating in female middle school, high school, and college sport teams. The bill will head to the Senate later this spring. In Oklahoma, a woman suffering from a molar pregnancy when the egg and sperm are incorrectly joined during fertilization and create a non-cancerous tumor, was told by hospital staff that you could not get an abortion unless you were crashing in front of us or your blood pressure goes so high that you were fixing to have a heart attack. Oklahoma has three different abortion bans and Governor Kevin Stitt has pledged to sign every piece of pro-life legislation. These bans include criminal charges for anyone who administers an abortion or simply advises a woman in regards to an abortion. Twitter has removed the ban on so-called misgendering and deadnaming from its hateful contact policy. Rather than forcing users to delete tweets referring to a trans-identified person's given name or biological sex, Twitter plans to apply warning labels on tweets deemed a potential breach of its hateful conduct policy. GLAAD President and CEO Sarah Kate Ellis has condemned the change, saying, Twitter's decision to covertly roll back its longtime policy is the latest example of just how unsafe the company is for users and advertisers alike. She asserted that policies protecting trans-identifying users have become especially necessary now that anti-transgender rhetoric online is leading to real-world discrimination and violence. That concludes WLRN's World News segment for Thursday, May 4th, 2023. I'm Mary O'Neill. 
Share your news stories, announcements, and tips with us by emailing info at wlronmedia.com and letting us know what's going on. If it wasn't for the women, women, we would not be living, living. We would not be joyful, singing, loving, and beloved again. If it wasn't for the women, women, we would not be living, living. We would not be joyful, singing, loving, and beloved. Keep going. If it wasn't for the women, what would we do? We wouldn't have health or strength or beauty. We wouldn't have a home. We wouldn't have food. If it wasn't for the work of the women, if it wasn't for the women, women, we would not be living, living. We would not be joyful, singing, loving and beloved. Women, if it wasn't for the women, what would we do? We wouldn't have art or crafts or music. We wouldn't have love. We wouldn't have truth if it wasn't for the work of the That was Alex Dobkin with her song that never gets old, If It Wasn't For The Women. Next up, we'll hear excerpts of a live roundtable discussion Thistle had with Jennifer Thomas and Katie Jean about the origins of the Let Women Speak Movement USA, where it is at currently and where it is going. Both Katie Jean and Jennifer have been actively organizing Free Speech for Women, Let Women Speak events in the USA for the past year since the Sisters for Sisters conference was held in Madison, Wisconsin. To hear the entire live-streamed discussion with Thistle, Katie Jean, and Jennifer, go to WLRN's YouTube channel and click on the Live tab. So both of you have been involved so much in the Let Women Speak Movement USA in this past year. Can you introduce yourselves and talk about the events that you've helped organize and that you've been part of and what the Let Women Speak USA movement has been to you? And we'll start with you, Jennifer. Hi. um, Like you said, we did the first, we actually, the first speaker's corner, though, I think was Kara Dansky did one for Posey Parker in between the protests against the UN and the NCAA. So that like day or two in between, there was a speaker's corner with Posey Parker and Kara Dansky right in in dc it was a pretty low-key one it wasn't advertised you know it was just kind of like oh no i think she did she did have an event right for it so that was the first speaker's corner the official speaker's corner that i went to in america and then when i got to you know sisters for sisters um we had signed up rev m rebellion had signed up to do it 
And honestly, like joy wasn't there. And if it weren't for Thistle, like pressuring me, I probably wouldn't have done that speaker corner, but we did. So that ended up being like the first official speakers corner that the American or free speech for women events that the American women sort of did on their own from according to my recollection. Uh, and then since then, it's been on. I mean, like, I think I've done five speakers corners myself, you know, organized them. And we've been doing we like we have been rocking in the United States, the women like we are doing such a good job. There's been like, I don't know, maybe like 15 or 20 since then. Right. Something like that. Definitely. And we've been documenting these speakers corners so we have all this footage of the tras and how horribly they've behaved i'm going to just read real quickly what Kay yang i agree with you jennifer i do remember that there was a speakers corner with kara dansky in uh in dc a couple weeks before the madison event but let's read what Kay yang who um was at the speakers corner in madison what she said about what madison was she says the Madison Speakers Corner was the largest direct confrontation I've seen between an organized group of women and trans rights activists so far here in America. I've been to and helped organize a number of protests in this country, and this is the first I've seen anything of this magnitude. The fact that women were physically blocked by men from the space we reserved and were being denied our right to free speech while the police stood down and let us be drowned out with misogyny, physical abuse, pushing, encircling women, hitting us with signs, and violent threats demonstrates with precise clarity that this agenda is about male entitlement and using male violence to silence and intimidate women from standing up for ourselves or holding any boundaries. Speakers' corners, like the one held in Madison, are a powerful way for women to claim space in the public realm and to make our voices heard. Women will not be silent in the face of a global corporate government and technologically led colonizing of our female sexed bodies. If women don't have safety, if women don't have a choice, if women have no voice, then there will be no peace. Stand up now and defend women and girls. And so that's what Kate Yang had to say. She was inspired to say after the, the Madison Speaker's Corner. And it was quite an event. I feel that my experience of that Madison, and we'll get to Katie Jean in a second, that that experience of uh, the Madison Speaker's Corner for me is slightly different than how Kay Yang described it. I don't feel that the TRAs were as aggressive as they've become in this past year, starting in Madison. I mean, we were side by side with them. Yeah, they were at least like there was a dance happening there, right? It wasn't just this no dialogue end of story and we're going to be rough with you. It was sort of like, we're mad at you. No, you're mad at me. And, you know, it was a little bit of playfulness, a little bit, you know, I'm not saying it was fun playfulness, but a little bit. And then the temperature changed, um, you know, the temperature changed for me after Port Townsend, but so like Madison was, we were sort of like, I still felt like, you know, they weren't going to come after us physically, but after Port Townsend, I was like, we can't risk that because that was not a good scene, you know? And then of course, you know, 
Posey came and all the let women speak ones that got violent. They weren't all violent, but there were enough that were violent to where, you know, we have to kind of rethink our plans about how we get on the ground and how, who, like, it, would I even do another speaker's corner in Madison? Probably Probably not because of the police. The police weren't supportive to the women. Well, I have something to say about that. I mean, the the, the rapport and the communication between me as police liaison for our group in Madison and the police has uh, been built up since that Madison event. Oh, good, good. And good. so, I mean, it, it's to the point where one of the women who was assaulted by a trans activist at one of our Speaker's Corner events in September September, which is April, um, May, June, July, August, September. Four months later, we had a plan with the police. We had a dialogue with oh, the police. Wonderful. And now she just received a letter um, stating that the person who had attacked her is, um, you know, under investigation and that they're doing something about it. So uh, that has yeah. to build up. I want to get to Katie Jean, introduce yourself and talk about what the Speaker's Corner events have been for you and how you've been involved. Hi, Thistle. Hello, WLRN audience. And thank you so much for including me in the conversation. So my memory of Let Women Speak pins also back to that same event um, in Madison that we are talking about. Um, and it was something like this. So we had the podium set up and our PA equipment, and we had a permit, we had a reservation, we were meant to be there. Somehow they, the, um, the counter, I, I don't, I don't like to call it a counter protest because then that implies that we are protesting. For us, it was a demonstration. It was a peaceful demonstration of our right to speak freely. And they protested against our peaceful women's centered demonstration. So uh, at any rate, we were speaking um, like I, 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 I think, Jennifer, you were the first speaker and I don't, I, you know, and then there was like maybe one or two other speakers, but I was like one of the early speakers. I was like this, the second or third speaker and to the woman who, met, who went in between us. Um, sorry, I, it was Beth. I think it was Beth um, who, who, who went in between us. Um, and anyway, um, and then that's when they started getting really loud. And it was after I was done speaking. I remember it was um, someone from your WLRN staff, uh, Thistle, and I won't um, say her name uh, in case she prefers more to be anonymous, but she just kind of whispered in my ear. And she says, you know, she knows I have a loud voice. And she's like, I feel like we need some sort of uh, let women speak let women speak to be happening right now. And I'm like, oh, I feel that. I'm picking up what you're throwing down. And so I just started going, let women speak. Let And like immediately, like I wasn't even done with the first time of saying let, and by the time I was saying, what, like the women that were around me there in Madison were saying, let women speak, you know, like they were joining, joining with me immediately. And um, then we all started chanting, let women speak. And when we did that enough, then, on their megaphone, they kind of quieted down. And you almost heard this kind of rumble almost with them where they were kind of like, okay, let them speak. Let 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 the women speak, you know? And then like, you know, like they thought maybe they were gonna get a turn to speak to or, you know, whatever. And, you know, I mean, if, if any of them in the interest of civil discourse wanted to take a turn to speak, you know, I mean, at, at that point in the game, we, we, we probably would have given them an opportunity. Um, and I'm not, 
saying even if I was running an event that I wouldn't give an opportunity to anybody who wanted to speak freely at a free speech for women event to, to come up and speak. But that, that to me is my memory of let women speak and how it started for me. That was the first time we chanted it loud and clear in the USA. It had great effect. Um, it worked well. And, um, and, uh, and yeah, I'll never forget that. I, it's a, it's a great chant. We should keep doing it. Katie Jean, you are so good out on the streets and on the mic. You speak from your heart and the passion is just, it's so wonderful. It's palpable. I wanted to say that the first time I heard the phrase, let women speak was in February of 2020 in Seattle, Washington at the Fighting the New Misogyny event that Wolf put on where Karadansky was a speaker, Lear Keith was a speaker. And the trans activists were there at that public library event and they were very disruptive. Some of them had gotten inside to the auditorium and were one was playing a piccolo, I remember. It was really loud and they had noisemakers and they had to be removed. And it was frustrating. It, it took a long time like for the police to actually get to the point where they were going into the audience and physically removing these disruptors. And that's when the, the audience just suddenly out of frustration and spontaneously interrupted and turned around. And it was like 90% women at this event. And I think there were like 300 people in the audience and they were just like, let women speak, let women speak, let women speak. And I mean, who knows who started that, but that was the first time I heard it. And I, I don't know if that's where Posey Parker picked it up from. Jennifer, do you know? Oh, I mean, I think Let Women Speak was part of Speaker's Corner in, you know, in England for a while. I mean, she had the hashtag on Twitter. So what was that? Was she doing Speaker's Corner at that time? I think so. I think that she was doing Speaker's Corners in England back, like, right, like, probably she just had started you know, like from my recollection. Um, so that wasn't a spontaneous uh, phrase that came out of the American movement. You think it came from across the pond and went over to America? I think so. I mean, everybody on everybody was on Twitter. So it was an international group, you know, like, so I'm not sure who who coined the phrase, let women speak. I, I'm pretty sure it was it came out of the speaker's corner in England. But doesn't matter. I mean, let women speak. Correct. It's great. It's a great, yeah. you know, thing to say, but I almost don't, I, I mean, I, I don't, in, in some ways I don't like it because it were, I'm not asking. Right. You know, so I've like, heard that criticism of it too, but when I was in Seattle, because of the context, it was so powerful, you know, yeah. and, and, mm -hmm. and, so it's not just the actual words that are said, but it's the context, it's the history, it's like the feeling and the tone in which uh, the words are delivered. And and I feel like I, I didn't know that it was already being used before that Seattle, Washington event. That was the first time I had heard it. And when it was hundreds of women that just turned around and had, because they were so, they had to wait, you know, for minutes for these young trans activists who were just being so rude to be removed. And they just, it was an angry tone and it was very powerful. Yeah. yeah. So can you grab what Laura K just shared in the chat? Cause that's what I was just going to say too, which is that she said, I think it's a universally spontaneous response to being silenced. 
And I think it happened in both places organically, which I think, yeah, a speaker of the English language, you know, when, when women are being silenced and women want to speak and you're a speaker of the English language, you're probably going to put that phrase together. And yeah, so I don't, th I don't think it necessarily matters where it originated. And to me, just a, um, like what Jennifer was saying about how we're not asking, I guess, um, we're not asking to, to speak, but in, in, in some ways we do need to ask to be heard, right? So in terms of let women speak, like we can say what we wanna say, but we also need to be able to be heard and we're not able to be heard when there's other people who think that their right to drown out our words is more important than our right to be heard. And so, what I, so for me, when I'm chanting, let women speak, what I mean by that is let women be heard because we can see that the woman is speaking. We can see that the, she's there speaking. She's not asking for your permission to speak. She is speaking. We wanna hear what she has to say. And, you know, somebody else has something else to say. They can say that later. The cure for speech you don't like isn't to silence the person that's saying something you don't like. It's to speak more. And I, um, I invite a dialogue with anybody who would like to talk about whether or not women deserve sex-based rights, single-sex spaces, the right to our own language, the right to not be compelled to say things that we don't believe in. Um, and, you know, um, you know, uh, 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 respect for our power as the only the only thing on earth that can make a, a, a human being is a woman's body. That leads me to our the next question that I'd like to have us discuss. Both of you are mothers. Kelly J. Keene is also a mother, and she's put a lot of emphasis on how children are harmed by transgender ideology. And as many of our followers know, Holly J. Keene really kicked off the Let Women Speak movement internationally with her Speakers Corner events and Standing for Women as an organization in Hyde Park in, in London. So, and she's, she's coming to this movement as a mother. And the two of you are also coming to this movement as a mother. We've got Mother's Day coming up, and I, I'd just like to have you speak, both of you, to the role of mothers in the Let Women Speak movement. Well, the role of mothers is huge because coming to this as a mother, I felt entitled to my rights because I feel like I've con contributed to society like in so many ways because when you have a child you know you get involved with things that you wouldn't normally have gotten involved with like you know I was a Girl Scout mom and you know I put in you know a program in the school I became my world became you know kind of kids inclusive and when that happens it becomes a service act right because you're modeling behavior for children you want them to ex have experiences when they're you know when they're young good experiences so it really puts you in the community and um and that's why m having mothers come to this is so important because they're already kind of entrenched in their community and they can get the word out and make demands that like no one really else can. Like I say, you know, the sports thing, well, you know, women deserve sports. And here's one of the reasons why, you know, just the fact that we're, you know, human beings and, you know, we deserve, you know, to have fair competition if, if we're going to have a thing called competition. Um, but also we deserve this because we make all these things happen. I mean, like, who do you think is driving these kids to practice? The boys, 
it's the moms by far it's the moms so we have a voice that's like kind of unique to where we're like hey we're in charge of the next generation and we are doing our part how dare you how dare you even question that um you know you're going to take our rights away how about we take some of your things away we're you know how about i not drive you right i won't drive you to boy the boys if the girls can't have sports well maybe the boys can't either you know and if the mothers come in and say that i mean what th that's that's that whole sports business it starts early right you don't have ed mc you know ed, the jim mcmahon unless his mom was driving him to practice so like we have so much more power than they than than they want it to appear right so the the mothers coming in are crucial to the movement absolutely thank you. now we're going to go to katie jean and, and and have her talk about um her experiences as a mother in the let women speak movement katie jean you're on Thanks again. So, I mean, yeah, mother, mothers are so important to the movement because we are standing up for our children, for one, and because you don't become a mother except for by fully experiencing your female body, right? So, like, um, in, the, in ways that maybe younger women don't understand, um, that mothers understand, and also shout out to lesbians, um, and sometimes there's an overlap of lesbians and mothers, but um, I, I think lesbians are also very in touch with their female body and what it means to be, um, be female. But I want to say that, so we're activated in it because we know exactly what's at, at stake and what's on the line here in terms of um, of our female body and, and what makes us unique. Uh, but I think that it is really important for mothers to stand up um, for our daughters and our sons um, and to tell them that they don't have to participate in the pronoun game if they don't want to. Um, at school, you know, and we need to also be there to support our children um, and remember that um, when our kids take a gender critical position um, at school, that they um, are also the ones that are targeted with labels like transphobic and, uh, you know, just these made up ridiculous notions. Transphobia is a copycat notion against a legitimate idea like um, misogyny or, you know, like racism and, you know, th things like that that are rooted in, in legitimate ideas. But we know that it is impossible for a human being to actually change their sex. So no person is actually trans. So therefore, the people who say that they're trans are just pretending to be something that they're not. So we can't really be phobic of something that doesn't really exist. And so transphobic, like, I don't buy that. I don't buy that word. So in other words, we need to, we need to empower our children to understand that analysis and to not be limited by accusations of things like transphobia, because again, that's phony. And, um, and also to shelter and protect them for in ways where they might be um, ostracized and bullied and targeted now, because they're the ones that are saying, this is reality. There's biological sex. There's male and female. There's men and women. There's boys and girls. We can't switch. You know, the, the only transition is boys become men and girls become women. That's the only transition there is. And, and, you know, and so whereas maybe um, I'll leave it there. That's the only transition okay, there thank, is. I think I hear your dog barking in the background, Mr. Jenkins, right? Yes. Yes. My sweet <laughs> puppy. 
Okay. Somebody's at the door. He's he's supervising. Somebody's at the door, right? I see. Okay. Well, thank you for that, Katie Jean. Um, I, let's move on to our next question, and I'll I'll put this to you, uh, Jennifer. What has the Women Speak Out Free Speech for Women movement in the USA achieved as far as legal and cultural gains in the rights and protections of girls and women? Well, we are a pretty powerful group. What we've achieved, well, what, what I would like to see happen is that we break into new territory. So, you know, these speakers corners that aren't really happening in, let's say, Massachusetts, uh, Connecticut. I want to break into new territory because what the free speech for women is really about is establishing vetted locations where women feel a sense of safety, you know, at least a, you know, a somewhat sense that, you know, the police will protect them. And as we're doing this, you know, as we're breaking into, we have like since Madison, what we've had them in. Florida, we've had them in Wisconsin, we've had them in Philly or in uh, Pennsylvania and New Jersey and California and Oregon and Washington. I think there was one in Oklahoma. So, I mean, like, that's pretty good considering we just started a year ago, right? We, we we're getting them in probably 15, 20 states at this point. I'd like to see them in every state. So that's where I'd like to go with the speaker's corners. And the reason it's so necessary is because with the technology, we don't really know what free speech is anymore. You don't really have free speech. You don't know if you have free speech till you get on the ground and they try to stop you, right? So like that's the litmus test to the truth of what's happening, right? And when you're on Twitter or Facebook or YouTube and you get banned, that's sort of, it's like, okay, you know, I got banned. That's not good. But when you go on the street and people try to stop you from speaking on the street, you're, you come to the realization that free speech in America isn't, isn't really happening, right? Like if there's, if there's places in America where you can't speak, then we don't have free speech, so we didn't really know that until we went on the ground and tried it. So that's part of like the realization for everyone to see this modeling of behavior of us trying to speak and people coming to stop us. You know, that's a that's a whole new ball game, right? That's not you're in the comfort of your own home and oh shit, I oh, excuse me. Oh darn, I got banned, right? That's wow, there's a dude right here telling me I can't speak. Right. That and then and intimidating sort of, and intimidating with his in, male body, with his six foot four male body, with his male muscles, pound for pound, stronger than you. And you don't know, you know, you know, as testosterone, you don't know when this guy is going to like snap and decide to like take his ideas from, you know, just words into violence. And at the moment that that man who you're trying to engage with, who's, you know, making you at the moment, he does decide to switch over, you know. And it really does bring bring to the viewer, right, the differences between the sexes. A yes. man can come and stop 10 women from speaking, you know, and it's like, you know, of course, we don't we don't want to screw around with them. We don't want their shenanigans. They come and bring it to us because they're trying they're 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 
achieving lots of times with their noisemakers, stopping us from being heard. And like that, it's it 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 you don't get that um, juxtaposition on the internet like you do in person. So mm-hmm. I think people part of the movement is letting people know this is, you know, you don't you think we have free speech? Well, go try it. Go, go try, try it. and see if we do, because we don't because I've tried it over and over and over and over again. And I mean, there has been times where the police have protected us, but there's been times where the police have not protected us. They have not protected our civil liberties and our, our, our you know, right to free speech and that that. The, the world needs to see that so that they are aware that that's where we're at. Because it's really hard to figure out where we're at because we're looking through the world, most of us, through this veneer of social media. Mm-hmm. And it's not a, it's not an honest picture of where we're at. You know, like, yeah, I got banned on Twitter, but you don't think I got banned on Twitter. Now I'm going to go to some speaking event and a man is going to physically assault me for speaking. That's that's not the leap that you go to from social media when you get kicked off. But when you try to go on the street and there's a dude, you know, going to physically assault you because you're speaking, then the reality sinks in. That's the real reality. The reality is, is that we don't have free speech in America. And and the men think they have it. The men still think they have it because they're not the ones going out talking about you know, gender. Well, now that they're starting to come out, they're starting to realize they don't have it either. And this thing with Tucker getting fired, it's like anybody that talks about this gets the men that get fired and the women get fired. But wait till those fired men go to the street. They'll find out what's happening. That in America, we don't have free speech. And that's like, if we don't have free speech, we are literally slaves. They can tell us to say anything they can tell us that's a man. They can say he's a dog. And maybe, maybe, maybe the person is like, I'm not a dog, but everybody else is saying you are. And then talking they, to you, they're they barking, can say, you know, they can say you're, you're crazy, right? They can say you're insane. And so your opinion doesn't matter because we're going to call you insane or we're going to call you a criminal. We're going to make these people criminals and now they're felons and now you can't talk, you know? So, I mean, like there's um, gradual steps and it just, it happens slowly. It's the boiling of the frog. But one thing I want to say is that women, we need you. Like we need more women. We need those brave women, those strong women that are willing to say, hey, men might be trying to intimidate us and silence us, but we will not be intimidated. And we know that women are strong in numbers. And so we are going to get those numbers together and we are going to go out there and women will be heard. We will be heard and we will not stop speaking. And we will play cat and mouse all day long if that's what you want to play. Um, you know, we're the cat, you're the mouse, we'll win. Um, and we, uh, women women will prevail and we will be heard. But you need to, women, find your sisterhood and you know, we're strong in numbers. We are strong in numbers. So find your sisters and get out there and be heard. Otherwise, all of these um, things that we're speaking about may may come true. But we, we, we have our opportunity re- right now. We need to take it. We need to use it. You have a constitutional right to stand on any public corner and and say what you want to say. So grab three of your friends and, you know, four women, free speech, four women. 
Wonderful, Katie Jean. Yeah, um, I got really inspired by you when we started organizing Speakers Corner slash Free Speech for Women events in the Midwest. And I think we were at a potluck or somewhere, maybe a restaurant, and you were like, free speech? Four women. That's all you need. Four women. And since then, though, because of the violence and how I think it's escalated, our group here in Madison has chosen to do Turf Tea Time from the safety of our living room, which is a variety show. So a lot of those same women who were doing our Speakers Corner events are now coming into WLRN studios so that we can actually have our voices heard, but it's online and that's different than taking up physical space outside on the street. But I'm wondering if you can comment on that because the goals maybe of the Free Speech for Women movement might be changing, not the goals, but like the way that we do the Free Speech for Women movement, the Let Women Speak movement, those methods that we're using might be changing. Things have ha a lot has happened over this past year. Some groups who want to go out in the, on the streets and do demonstrations are requiring trainings, nonviolent uh, direct action trainings. There's all kinds of um, ways that we're evolving and changing and growing as a movement and they are changing their tactics as we change our tactics. And so what we've decided so far right now here in Madison is we're going to be doing our free, free speech for women events live from WLRN studios. <laughs> and instead of going up to the Capitol and risking the police maybe not protecting us as much as we'd like to be protected or the trans activists being super sneaky and aggressive and, and you know, maybe harming one of us. So that's what we've, that's where we are at right now in Madison. And so I'd, I'd like you to both kind of speak to that. Um, Jennifer, we'll start with you. Well, any way you can get out there and get the word out is a good thing, right? I mean, there's, and if, if it's too dangerous or if you're, feeling like the police aren't going to protect you, then my whole MO is go somewhere else because we are not in this to get abused, right? We're in this to get our message out. So, I mean, I, after Port Townsend, cause I was injured in Port Townsend and the police didn't protect us. And it, I mean, it was just like a cascade of, of like our civil liberties being robbed from us. Basically I did, Pittsburgh right after that and the hashtag for Pittsburgh was women will be heard right and we were heard I did I, I am looking at speakers corners more like um, if I go in there I go talk to the police that you know the week before if I sense anything untoward anything that is you know suspicious I don't need to do a speaker's corner at that location. I'll find another location that's gonna that's gonna have police officers that will serve and protect, you know, free speech. So that's sort of my approach. So like if like say this thing in Trenton, if I went there and the police seemed a little weird or they weren't gonna, you know, they were kind of acting because you kind of can tell, you know, how they're gonna treat you at the event if if you go if you do the preliminary work. If they were, you know, if they were, if there was anything about the way that they behaved with me that pinged my senses that they weren't going to protect us, I'm going to go somewhere else. 
it's not as intuitive, right? It's not, you don't get the same picture. So Port Townsend, you know, that was early on, that was a learning experience. Luckily, you know, like none of us got really hurt, you know, like I got hurt. I had vertigo for a month, my neck, you know, he stole my shoe, he tried to steal my phone, you know, so I did like, we did have some errors there because the police were right around the corner just listening to our cries basically you know and, and that, that was unfortunate you know like you can't always you're not always gonna get things right you know like it's if you do things sometimes it's not gonna work out you know like it just happens but like you can do these preliminary you know checks with the with the people you know the the permit holders right where you're getting the permit if they're agreeable if the police are agreeable to you, you can do that. And, and now I know to do that, right? I, when I was in, when I went to Port Townsend, I was just a guest at that, you know, event. You know, I thought my boots on the ground experience would help on the ground. And it did, it did, it could have gotten a lot worse. But um, but now, I, now that I've had that experience, you know, I've taken that and like pretty much said i'm not doing this unless i know the police are going to protect us and 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 every speaker's corner i've had since and this is just the ones i hold i mean everybody has their own way of doing it i make sure those cops are on at least the side of the law and re respecting you know the right for people to have free speech in america right and and there are places where the cops don't respect that so you really have to kind of the the most important part of a of a event is the location and the time you know like the day and the, the location and you have to factor in everything like i'm doing one doing another one in pittsburgh on june 16th well i didn't want to go when it was um school was out because i don't want like a mob but june is pride month right so i might run into some problems there so like I'm factoring in everything I can think of that's going to have an effect on my speaker's corners, you know, the ones I'm, I'm holding. And it's just really feeling it out. Like you really have to kind of just go and be like, I'm going to go because it's hard to go to the police because they're like, why are you even doing this lady? You know, like, why should we protect? Why do we have to protect you? You could just not do this. How about that? You know, that's their attitude towards you. So it's hard to go in there and demand it. But like, I feel entitled. I've paid taxes my whole life. I feel entitled to have protection for one of our rights, you know, mm -hmm. as people. So they are there have to protect and serve. Yeah, you have to sort of talk yourself into it before you go. But once you have that attitude, they fall in line. They'll tell you why are you doing this, why are you doing this? And like, I'm doing this. Yeah, I know it's hard and it doesn't it doesn't sound like fun that you're gonna get, you know, maybe piss thrown on you as a cop, right? Because that's they're used to that. They're they've told me they've gotten all kinds of stuff thrown at them, abused, right? Well, so they don't sirens go in their ears too. They they mm -hmm. told me when I I've been talking to the police about the counter protesters. Yeah, so they're like, why are you doing that? Like, we don't want to deal with this, but you have to stand your ground, you know, put your boundaries up and say, I have a right to do this. And it's your job to protect us. So, you know, mm -hmm. but you don't have to be a, you know, a jerk about it, but you got to be firm with them because even the men that are on our side, they, you know, they just, they just want it to go away. You know what I mean? They don't want to deal with it, but we're dealing with it. 
because we're women, right? So we're like, no, you're going to yeah. deal with this. So that's, you know, that's sort of my summation of, you know, what I've seen with Speaker's Corners. You know, when you're in one that's violent, probably the best thing to do is to just end it. Like, if that was another thing with Port Townsend that I learned. Like, we sh probably should have wrapped that up a little sooner. So there's all kinds of, like, tactics that you can use to counter this. Um, and and with each speaker's corner that we do, we learn. So right. we're and we're getting freaking good at this. Yeah, you know. So how do we teach other women? How do we bring other women into the movement? Because as Katie Jean has pointed out, numbers are really important, and more there are more Turks out there than there are not probably, but they're afraid or they don't know. How do we train women to participate in the Speakers Corner? movement the free speech for women let women speak movement and make sure that everyone's safe katie jean i'll let you talk about that so where does this go in the future i would like to see women standing up all over everywhere where you are at whether you are at work and somebody's compelling you to put pronouns in or call somebody they or um something like that um you know just silently quietly passively just say i don't participate in that i i I call him who I see, and I'm seeing a man in front of me, so I call men he, kind of things like that. Support your daughters in sports. Support your sons to be respectful of women and to understand the um, differences between um, men and women and boys and girls. Just, yeah, w w wherever you are at, women, find find the sisters in your neighborhood that you can um, speak out with. And, and so where the future is, is women, wherever they are at, speaking out in all sorts of ways, big and small. And all of us just saying, we will not put up with this. We know who a woman is. That woman is me. And I'm going to stand up for women and girls and for each of us to say that. Love you, Katie Jean. You're so positive. Your energy is so contagious. I hope that I get to do another event with you in the future. So, Jay Thomas, what are your parting words? My parting words are, you know, it look what whatever you're seeing, what's happening on the ground, like the speakers' corners, they're fun. Come to one. Yes. We have a great time. I mean, it looks a little risk. It's a little exciting, right? And you get to speak your mind. And you get to be in community with women, sisters in solidarity. And it's it's thrilling, exciting. Like it's way better than, uh, you know, than the internet and staying at home. It's way better. It's so much fun. And that really gets lost in all this, like that we're having a blast, okay? Yeah. It's, we might look scared, we might look angry, we might look thing, but the reason I keep doing it is because I, I'm having a great time. So I, I do want to get that message out there too, that yeah, it's a lot of, it's work and it's a little scary and it, we have some confrontation and there's, you know, there's problems, but all in all, I wouldn't be doing it if I wasn't having a great time and really like enjoying other women, the sisterhood, the, um, the work that we're all doing together you know, recognizing each other's work, recognizing that they're showing up, that, you know, everyone's showing up and, you know, we're there to support each other. But like, not only are we there to support, we're there to go have a drink afterwards. We're there to go, you know, hang out in a parking lot and listen to music. You know, it's not all just like, you know, this brute, you know, force against us. We are, we are strong and like, 
we have not lost our spirit. And when we do get together, it's really a great time. So that's something I just wanted everybody to know, like you're going to come, there's all kinds of things are going to happen, but one of them is you're going to have a big smile on your face and you're going to be like, I want to go to the next one. I got, when's the next one. So just come to your first one and it'll, you'll have a whole new social stratosphere that you're working in and you're going to love it. Yeah. The femisphere. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, ladies. Both of you have done so much for our movement and it's wonderful to have you on and WLRN is celebrating seven years in your ears this May, 2023. And thank you to our online audience and we'll catch you out on the streets and also at Turf Tea Time online. Congratulations, Thistle, seven years. That's a great accomplishment. From across the femisphere to women worldwide, worldwide to women worldwide, radical feminist media to break the sound barrier, break the sound barrier, break the sound barrier, break the sound barrier, radical feminist media to break the sound barrier. This is your grassroots, 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 grassroots community radio station. This is your radio station. Women's Liberation Radio News. month, it's my pleasure to present a guest commentary from longtime WLRN listener, Miss Katie Jean of FEMAX News. Katie Jean has been politically active for 25 years, defending abortion without excuse or apology. She discovered radical feminism after being called a bigot for the first time ever while talking on LinkedIn about the J.K. Rowling essay. Since then, she has been a loudmouth with a J.K. Rowling Summon Me sign in numerous actions east of the Mississippi and all over the internet. She is the founder of FEMAX, co-choreographer of XX Salute, and an amateur stand-up comedian. She continues hosting FEMAX News Thursday nights of, by, and for American women and girls, and is a Taylor Swift Eras Tour ticket holder. A woman's body is the only way to make a human being. To the new human she created, this woman is mama, 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 mommy, mom, mother. Long after birth, for the rest of her life, mother retains her child's DNA within her uterus. Her body keeps the memory of the time she made a perfect new human using her secret family recipe that's been handed down by the women in her family for generations. My thoughts on motherhood come via a metaphor wrapped in a story. It's only a metaphor. All metaphors eventually break down, but this one works for a while, so I hope you'll give it a chance. It goes like this. Sometimes we're running late to a party, and all we have to bring to share is a package of Oreos. And an Oreo is fine. It's a good cookie. You can throw them on a plate or serve them out of a package. 
this is how I feel maybe I am seen metaphorically by so many people out and about. The people that you meet when you're walking down the street. The people in line. Men and women behind the registers. The folks in the next booth. The kids on the opposing team. The patrons. The crowd. The help. The mob. We're all just Oreo cookies to each other. At the end of the party, any Oreos left on the tray are more likely to end up in the trash than in someone's leftovers. That's not to say that we're literally throwing other human beings in the trash, (laughs) but more that the relationships are casual. They're take it or leave it. Just a part of the blur of the day. One Oreo cookie is not really that different from any other. Some people we're just not that invested in. There's other kinds of cookies you could tray up and bring to the party. Maybe instead of going to the wrapped in commercially labeled plastic foil cookie aisle at the grocery store, you go to the bakery section instead. Or maybe instead of the store with the beeping self-checkout registers, you go to a local bakery or some Amish woman named Clara who bakes by hand and sells from her home for cash. These better cookies are maybe similar to our closer relationships, like with our co-workers or maybe our neighbors, extended family, our friends. What you do with these cookie leftovers at the end of the party? Well, I suppose that depends on maybe how many are left or whether or not they're broken, cynically how much you paid for them, and most importantly, whether or not they were any good. But then, there is that one cookie recipe, that special recipe that's been handed down by the women in our family for generations. That recipe in which you use Aunt Rachel's special honey that came from the bees that feed on her cherry blossoms or the molasses you can only buy from that certain seasonal vendor cart on the frontage road. The cinnamon you grate by hand using one of the remaining sticks from the mason jar that holds all that remains from that special reserve. You know this recipe. It's the one in which you're certain to use the organic flour and sugar where you measure with precision and take the extra steps to weigh and sift and not overmix where you beat in eggs laid by backyard hens perfectly and beat them to soft peaks and only in the copper bowl where you fold in the expensive vanilla, melt the fair trade chocolate using a thermometer so that it doesn't burn but instead gets the perfect flavor and shine. These cookies, that special recipe, oh, it's so much work. You can't make it even once a year. You only make it once in a while at the most. But the result is nothing short of a legacy. A mother's children are her perfectly home-baked cookies. The ones with the expensive vanilla, the rare cinnamon, the fine chocolate. If we are lucky, the world around our child sees him or her more like a cookie made by the Amish lady and less like an Oreo, but only a mother knows and 
truly understands every detail she put into her own cookie recipe. In this way, the mother's relationship is that like no other. Not even father could compare. The evidence is biological, from menarche to menopause, conception, gestation, lactation. Look at how much more a woman must commit to the creation of her child than the father does. I'll need to be a bit crude in effort to be specific, so mothers turn down the volume for 15 seconds around innocent ears. The orgasm that created a child never felt any different to a man than any other orgasm that didn't. Whether a man ejaculates in the presence of a woman, his own hand, some other man, well, it all feels the same to the man whether or not his ejaculate succeeds in fertilization. Sure, he could attach to a child that will look like him, but that is plainly optional. And we know many a man who has opted out of his biological role as a father. There are many a woman who surrender her biological role as well, but fractionally fewer. And I can't help but wonder about the abuse, dehumanization, minimization, and degradation that must be endured by most, if not each of these women, to believe that she is not needed, not worthy, not capable of being a sufficient mother to the product of her own womb. It is a web of complicated disorientation at all levels, from the societal and institutional, the affinal, the familial, and the individual that has so brainwashed vulnerable, fertile young women into thinking our abundant world could not withstand, much less value her as a mother successfully raising her own child. To those women and to your children you haven't raised, my heart goes out to you. I imagine a woman-centered future in which we have enough data to support the truth that as mothers we already know that there is no good enough reason to separate infant from biological mother, economic reasons being the least justification of all in a wealthy nation such as the United States. Today, too often, a young mother is greeted with shame and scorn in the United States. This is all wrong. We should be grateful to these young women bringing forth new energy, new life, new human beings into our society. Let's provide enough social services to support young mothers with limited means, but who do have the energy to care for her own children. Let her do so without shame, but in full knowledge of the value she provides to our community by delivering a properly reared citizen with functional attachment who knows the love of her or his mother and all the benefits to society that expand from a well-bonded mother and child. In a woman-centered, a mother-centered society, adoptions would incorporate the young biological mother into the new family. If you wanted to adopt a baby, you would adopt 
the biological mother too, in a way. Paid surrogacy would be outlawed. Family surrogacies would be rare. Let's spare a brief thought for the mothers who are accused of abuse. I propose we rethink this as well. In a mother-centered society, instead of rushing to remove children from allegedly abusive mothers, we would instead provide these mothers with whatever wraparound care she requires in order to get it right by her children. And I like to think that in a world where mothers are not shamed but prized for her ability to reproduce, maybe we would see less maternal abuse. Removing a child from his or her biological mother should be the very last of all possibilities and only after all else has been tried. Reproduction belongs to women and the decision of whether to reproduce or not belongs to women. A woman's capacity to reproduce, to make new human beings from her body, whether she leverage it or not, makes each woman a special combination of more valuable and more vulnerable. You heard me right. <laughs> I did say more. On Mother's Day, my gift to you mothers and all women is to consider for just a moment that our capacity as women to make new human beings is indeed what makes women better. Women, it's okay for us to know our value, to assert it, to expect that it be respected. What this means is up to you, but I urge all women to find the maternal energy that lives within you and radiate your power with every step you take from now on. Others may try to come close to our children, but they will never be this close. Every football they pass, every tooth they help brush or pull, every diaper they change, these actions are worth hundreds of points each in value to the child. But remember this, the mother of this child's female body turned a man's orgasm into a whole new human being, birthed it through her vagina or a major surgery through her abdomen, and then whether or not she did it precisely this way, she at least had the ability to feed it nothing but the product of her own body for an entire year and the result being an optimally healthy new human being. That, my friends, is worth somewhere in the neighborhood of 42 billion points. And yet, we're still looking for those 100-point opportunities and are probably getting more of those than the men are, too. As mothers, we hold the secret that is our cookie recipe, handed down by the women in our family for generations, that was used to bake our little home-baked cookies. While the patriarchy has been abusing mothers and motherhood for far too long, its transgressions seem to have hit new heights of late. Whether it is the tragic trend toward giving men and women an equal standing in family court, it's a clear victory for men's rights activists rather than a past and a hopeful future in which mothers are given the advantage we deserve. As a result of this shift, 
divorced mothers, even single mothers, are losing custody of their biological children to fathers for pathetic reasons, including marginally better income or health insurance or legal representation. Mothers know that mothers deserve an assumed advantage and that an unequal standard is what is equitable and owed to biology's disproportionately unequal responsibility required by mothers. Just a quick note to those who would shame motherhood on the premise that we already have too many American consumers running about demolishing the environment. To you, I say the future is yet unseen. We can study history to understand ramifications of population collapse, and we should. As for me, I'd rather bet on humanity than against it. And for that reason, I encourage motherhood, and I celebrate mothers. Happy Mother's Day to all women. P.S. I love you, Sunny. Thank you for making me a mom. This is Joe Brew. You are listening to WLRN. Just in time for Mother's Day, we have another guest commentary this month from Alexandra. Alexandra R., a.k.a. Pinwheel Art, is a community artist and activist as well as a visual artist and mother of soon to be five. She earned her BFA in general fine arts in 2006 and her master's in community art in 2007 from the Maryland Institute College of Art. Alexandra's feminism has always centered the mother-child dyad and she enjoys exposing other women to how healing childbirth and motherhood can heal society. Alexandra has been organizing Free Speech for Women events in the southeastern USA for a year now. These events highlight the struggles women face in a society that sees us as second-class citizens whose voices do not matter. Alexandra is constantly looking to connect more women around the nation so that we might have free speech events in every state. Please reach out for more information or to donate to the cause and receive some woman-centered stickers created by Alexandra at pinwheelart at femaxnews.com. Take it away, Alexandra. My name is Alexandra Renee. I am a Latina woman living in South Carolina, mama of soon-to-be five. I earned my MA in Community Arts and have been organizing in at-risk communities for over two decades. However, my activism really started as a young child volunteering with my mother in women's shelters and in community with our local La Lechele group in Virginia. My passions in life are my children, of course, visual art, community arts, Centering women, everything having to do with pregnancy, childbirth, breastfeeding, and beyond. I have dedicated over 13 years of my life learning everything I can about women's childbearing years so that I may serve my community 
and help women take back birth by moving out of the medical industry that is killing us, specifically black mamas and babies at the highest of rates. Having birthed three of my four babies out of the system and going through my fourth wild and free pregnancy and childbirth, my focus is on bringing back traditional midwifery care and free birth. I hope to someday have my own community arts center where I can continue my social change work via the arts as well as hold village prenatals for expecting mamas to be empowered to take full control and responsibility for their care throughout pregnancy, childbirth, and the care of their babies after. Sadly, I have had to step away from this focus in my life to join the fight for women's sex-based rights and against our erasure in law, policy, statistics, medicine, and scientific data of all kinds. Because this is crucial to our ability to survive and thrive in pregnancy, birth, and society at large. I did much soul-searching when I decided to speak out, as I knew there were people dear to me who may not understand. My first move was to contact as many politicians as possible. I sent out hundreds of postcards and began connecting with other women in the fight. My 12-year-old and I sent letters of support to the young female swimmers of UPenn who were forced to compete against a man. Then, as I connected with more and more women, I began organizing Free Speech for Women events in my southeastern region of the U.S., from North Carolina, South Carolina, to Florida. I'm constantly reaching out to bring new women in from wherever they are in the States. Please, feel free to contact me at pinwheelart at femaxnews.com or on Twitter at pinwheel underscore art if you are interested in connecting with women in your area about free speech events or pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, and mothering in general. We need every woman in this fight if we're going to win. And we have to win. Thanks for listening to WLRN's 85th edition podcast on Mothers in the Let Women Speak Movement USA. WLRN would like to thank our guests this month for sharing their views. Thank you so much, Katie Jean, Alexandra, and Jennifer Thomas for speaking with us. We wish you all a very happy Mother's Day, and until next time, this is Thistle Pedersen signing off on WLRN's 7th anniversary podcast. Woohoo, women, we've got this. If you like what you are hearing and would like to donate to the cause of Feminist Community Radio, please visit our WordPress site and click on the donate button. Check out our merch tab to get a nice gift in exchange for your donation. And if you are interested in joining our team, 
We are always looking for new volunteers to conduct interviews, write blog posts, post to our Facebook and other social media pages, and do other tasks to keep us moving forward as a collective of media activist women. Thanks for listening. This is April, signing off for now. And I'm Mary. Thanks for tuning in. Next month, we'll focus our program on the feminist history of social work. Our handcrafted podcasts always come out the first Thursday of the month, so look for it on Thursday, June 1st. If you'd like to receive our newsletter that notifies you when each podcast, music show, and interview are released, please sign up for our newsletter on the WLRN WordPress site. Stay strong in the struggle, and thanks for listening. This is Sekhmet Shiaul signing off on another edition of WLRN's monthly handcrafted podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Spinster, Overit, and SoundCloud, in addition to our WordPress site. Thanks for listening. And this is Jenna. Thank you for seven years of listenership. Whether you've been with us since 2016, are a new listener, or have picked us up anywhere in between, we are your grassroots female-powered community radio station. And we wouldn't be here without you, dear sisters. Thank you. Our monthly podcasts are always crafted with tender loving care and in solidarity with women worldwide. We would love to hear from you, so please comment, like, and share widely. But how will we find our way out of this? What is the antidote for the patriarchal kiss? How will we find what needs to be shown? And then after that, where is home? Tell me, where is my home? Cause gender hurts.